Welcome back, guys. This is the Sports Gamble Ramble. We are back doing our AFC North previews. We're breaking down the Pittsburgh Steelers today. A team that um, I'm guessing, you know, a lot of people have probably forgot that this was a playoff team last year. Kind of overachieving based on, you know, sort of an anemic offense at times. This team, offensively, it's been a struggle to watch the last two or three years, really, and they've been. Um, really uh, elevated by that defense, and really the defense is kind of the only thing that's that's kept them relevant and competitive. Um, a lot of turnover this offseason, big storyline being that Ben Roethlisberger's retired. This is the first time that the Steelers have gone into a season uh, without Big Ben in 18 years. So first season for Mike Tomlin without Roethlisberger, and that's, that's really going to be all the talk this season with the Steelers is can the quarterback play, you know, be good enough to keep this team afloat or are we looking at a potential rebuild here in Pittsburgh? They went nine, seven and one last year, eight and nine against the spread, 47%. Um, Finished as the seven seed in the AFC, snuck into those playoffs and then got pummeled by Kansas City, 42 to 21 in the wild card round. Um, I mentioned on our Lions episode, the, the Steelers and Lions tied last year randomly in a game that Ben missed. Mason Rudolph, you know, really just showed why he's not an NFL quarterback in that matchup, and they get a tie on their record. The tie's actually what ends up saving them and giving them a chance to win that seventh seed on a half-game advantage. Um, the wild card race in the AFC really wild down the stretch over the last two weeks last year. Um, I believe the Steelers needed three or four things to happen there in week 18. Uh, some crazy stuff. I think they needed the Ravens to lose, um, the Raiders and Chargers to not end in a tie, maybe a team like the Dolphins to lose, and they needed the Jaguars to beat the Colts. And all of it happened somehow. All of it happened. And that Raiders-Chargers game almost ended in a tie, which would have eliminated Pittsburgh. So, little trip down memory lane there because it was a wild ending to the regular season um, for the AFC playoff picture. Again, you know, going back on the recap of last year, this team really didn't do anything special besides play tough as shit. They stayed disciplined, they, they played as a team, and they just manufactured ugly wins consistently enough to accumulate nine over the course of the season, but they were... Not statistically strong really anywhere. Uh, 21st in points per game offensively, 20.2. 23rd in yards per game, 315.4. Defense, 20th in points per game, 23.4. 24th in yards per game, 361.1. And the turnover margin wasn't even exceptional at just a plus two rate tied for 13th in the league. You know, I really expected this team to have a better turnover margin considering you know, bottom third of the league in almost every major, you know, statistical category there on offense and defense. Um, it's kind of a mystery how this team won nine games. My dad's a Steelers fan, so I have a lot of conversations about this team, and I've even asked him, how the fuck did this team make the playoffs last year? Because roster, a lot of question marks, you know, the corpse of Big Ben sitting back there, just an absolute statue. Um, not the same player he was younger earlier in his career. Um, so it was tough to watch, like I said. And again, somehow this team just, you know, slugged their way through the season to be able to somehow get to the playoffs. 
Um, really great ending for Ben's career, getting um, those last two regular season wins and a final home playoff win in the division against Cleveland. Um, but again, we move on to this season, and we're dealing with a lot of question marks here in Pittsburgh. Coaching staff has returned. This is Mike Tomlin's 15th or 16th year, I believe. And I do just want to mention it's it's pretty outrageous. If you guys haven't realized, this Steelers football organization has only had three head coaches since 1969. That's insane. Chuck Knoll coached for 22 years. Bill Cower coached for another 14 and now Mike Tomlin's been there since 2007. Talk about the just epitome of consistency um, at the front office. This Steelers team very traditionally run. You know, you can kind of you can really see the philosophies that this team tries to apply from a leadership and a front office standpoint. As far as I mean, we'll talk about it later in the episode. They have a tendency to be very conservative spending-wise. They like to build through the draft, not free agency. They're very old school, and they're not you know, overly trigger-happy with these head coaches. I mean, it's, it looks like, they, first of all, they get the interview process right more often than not. And secondly, you know, they're patient with their guys. They're not a team that gets jumpy after one bad season. On top of that, they haven't had many bad seasons. You could say chicken or the egg there, but I'm just saying like this Steelers team does a lot of things right over the long haul. And while, you know, I guess it's been kind of mediocre last few years, mediocre seasons for this Steelers organization are, you know, great seasons for 90% of the league. So let's uh yeah again coaching staff totally returning this year they also pick up brian flores and bring him into the defensive coaching room as the linebackers coach which i think is a big i mean anytime you get a quality coach like brian flores in your building at all i mean that guy should be an nfl head coach and you know i guess with the dolphins news coming out it's kind of relevant that dolphins shit all sorts of fucked up flores got screwed down in miami and I think him and Tomlin are going to be boys. I think he's a perfect fit for the no-bullshit defensive mentality of this football team, so I thought it was a great pickup. And, you know, potentially, I mean, Tomlin's still a young guy, but he's already been a head coach for 15 years. If he wants to step away anytime in the near future, maybe the next five years or so, I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but just big fat if here, I mean, Brian Flores would be an awesome head coach to take over for this organization. I mean, again, no bullshit, hard nose. We're going to play football. You know, we're not going to deal with the fucking bells and whistles and the media and the, and all the, all the fucking BS. So let's get into the personnel. You guys obviously can tell I have a lot to talk about with this Steelers team. Um, key loss, obviously big Ben retiring. Great career, Ben. Um, you can go ahead and sit on the couch and drink beer and watch as much porn as you want now. Um, wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster left the team going to the Kansas City Chiefs. Wide receiver James Washington as well. Wide receiver Ray-Ray McLeod also left, so a lot of turnover in that receiving room. Ray-Ray McLeod, more of a special teams uh, punt kick returner contributor, if I remember correctly. Offensive guard Trey Turner and quarterback Josh Dobbs are all gone 
Uh, that's about it as far as their key departures in free agency. Their additions, um, they brought in offensive guard James Daniel out of Chicago to try and beef up that O-line that has really struggled over the last two seasons. Outside linebacker Miles Jack was an interesting addition to me from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I believe the Jags cut him. I, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember if that was a trade or a cut, but I was interested, to, uh, well, surprised really is the better word, to see Jacksonville moving on from Jack, who's been one of the really only consistent players on their team at all, I would say. I mean, Jacksonville, kind of a, a, wasteland, a wasteland down there in Florida. Um, the Steelers also added another body to that offensive line. Center Mason Cole came over from the Vikings. Obviously, they needed a quarterback this offseason. I did not like the direction that they went. Quarterback Mitch Trubisky. I've never been a Trubisky guy. I thought, really, ideal situation for this Steelers team in free agency would have been a Jimmy Garoppolo had he been, you know, available to trade. You know, the whole soldier, uh, shoulder surgery thing kind of, you know, fucked up the timeline there for Jimmy G. But I really thought that would make a lot of sense for this team. That still gives them the ability to draft Kenny Pickett 20th overall if they want. And now they have an actual NFL quarterback instead of a guy who I just don't believe in. I thought he was extremely overdrafted. Like, not hindsight. You guys will hear me talk about things that happened four years ago and say it's easy to say now, but as if you're an NFL GM, how the fuck do you draft Mitch Trubisky ahead of Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson? Now, I'll say this. Hindsight, go back four years, I would have taken Watson over Mahomes, and that looks like the incorrect choice. But Trubisky over both those guys, you deserve where you're at, Chicago. You deserve every fucking second of it because that's just embarrassing. Who else did they bring into this this locker room? Safety, DeMonte Casey. Um, defensive end, Gennard Avery, who can play that 3-4 outside linebacker. And wide receiver, Gunner Olszewski. Um, they re-signed a couple of guys, not massive names, Akilo Witherspoon, starting corner, and safety Terrell Edmonds, brother of Bills linebacker Tremaine Edmonds. He got brought back as well, I think on a one-year deal. Not exactly sure. They got some other big-time extensions done. I mean, spent a lot of money this offseason on in-house guys, giving both TJ Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, massive deals. Uh, the two best players, maybe on the entire team, um, along with, uh, I guess, Ironside there, Cam Cam Hayward. But Watt, um, best pass rusher in the NFL, first ballot Hall of Famer, should have been back-to-back -back defensive players of the year, <clears throat> and he is a back-to-back -back sack leader. Um, Minka, absolute ball hawk. Uh, these, guys, these guys are more valuable to this team, I think, than a lot of other defensive players are for their teams because the offense has been so bad and they've been able to stay so competitive with just – a really gross offense, really gross. So back to the offense as we're talking about it. In the draft, they decided to invest in the future at the quarterback position with Kenny Pickett. Now, Pickett might be good. He doesn't seem like anything special to me. I want to believe that Pittsburgh made the right decision here and that they got their franchise guy it seems like they would have had all the opportunity in the world to research this guy playing at University of Pittsburgh right there in town. They could basically just go over, watch practice anytime they want. So if they were to pass on this guy and go with another quarterback, I think it might have been a bit of a red flag. Like if Pittsburgh doesn't want him, like maybe there is something to be aware of. 
Um, they go and get the, the hometown kid out of pit. I, I will say I had a few bets on Malik Willis to be drafted to the Steelers. I really, I thought that made more sense. I was a bigger fan of Willis and his athletic upside than Kenny Pickett. But here we are. So Pickett's the quarterback. He will compete throughout training camp with Mitch Trubisky for that starting job. Mason Rudolph also there. Mason Rudolph technically ahead of Pickett as Pickett's third on the depth chart right now with Trubisky taking uh, group one snaps. That's an interesting training camp battle to watch. And by interesting, I mean who is going to suck the least. Ugh, it, it, it's gross. And I'm a, it's, it's unfortunate for me because, you know, not to tip my hand too much, I'm not that optimistic about this year for this team. I think there is a certain pretty obvious, um, at least short-term rebuild here, I would say. Uh, kind of clinging on to the end of that Big Ben window. And I think it it reminds me a little bit of the Patriots situation where they had, you know, before retooling with Mac Jones and getting back to a pretty consistent program, I mean, they had to have their down year with Cam Newton and Jared Stinham and all that shit. And I mean, you know, if, if Pickett doesn't, you know, exactly put it all together right away and Mitch Trubisky hasn't gotten any better in his uh, you know time in Buffalo like everybody wants to just assume Mitch Trubisky's a better quarterback now and if he doesn't look like an NFL quarterback if he just goes to same old Mitch from the Bears this could be rough to be honest the O-line is ranked 30th in the league as well by Warren Sharp so like question marks at quarterback and O-line not a whole lot of confidence um, they, they really invested at the receiver position in the draft, which again alludes to a bit of an offensive retooling. Um, they wanted to get some youth to pair with Pickett for the long term, and this Steelers organization does not pay receivers um, big money on their second contracts. I mentioned it in our Patriots episode when we talked about how the Patriots seem to recycle cornerbacks and running backs pretty repetitively. The Steelers do the same thing with wide receivers. Um, they currently have Deontay Johnson and, and uh, Chase Claypool on their rookie deals, but they drafted two more receivers this year. Round two wide receiver George Pickens out of University of Georgia and round four wide receiver Calvin Austin out of Memphis. And I think they're two very talented players who I could see both being absolute hits here in the draft for Pittsburgh. And I think it really sets up um, a situation where I'm not sure Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool get paid past their rookie deals here. Deontay Johnson in the midst of a, of a camp hold-in currently. I guess a hold-in is different than a hold-out. This is actually the first year I'm hearing about these hold-ins. I think it's kind of a new trend with these contract situations. But we can dive into Deontay, you know, he, he's looking to get paid. He statistically has outproduced guys um, like DK Metcalf and Terry McLaurin in his career. And he's, you know, on the level really of production of these guys like Debo Samuel and AJ Brown. And all these third to fourth year receivers who are getting like $25 million deals with their teams right now. Deontay wants to cash in on his value right now as his first opportunity to really get paid in the NFL. He's been fantastic for this team, but this Steelers organization has such a long history of not paying their receivers. 
we could go all the way back. I mean, look, I was too young to follow the contract situations of guys like Heinz Ward and Antoine Randall L. They kept Heinz Ward in Pittsburgh his whole career, so I don't think it applies. But really, once they had to start reshaping that receiving core post-Heinz Ward, post-Super Bowl Super Bowl 40, I think it was, in Detroit. Uh, Super Bowl XL. Um, really, since then, they've been doing this shit with their receivers where they're just recycling guys. I mean, I'll probably miss a few names, but we go all the way back to like Mike Wallace coming in and being the next big thing. And then they didn't want to pay Mike Wallace, so Antonio Brown became the next big thing. And Oh, wait, 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 wait. Nope. It was... Emmanuel Sanders, Mike Wallace, Antonio Brown. We've had, oh, Santonio Holmes before that. Then Juju. Juju's now gone, replaced by Claypool and Johnson. And now they draft two more receivers this year as the contracts are expiring for Claypool and Johnson. The writing's on the walls here, and my opinion really all summer has been, sorry about it, Deontay, but you're not going to get paid. I say this as uh, this morning, Wednesday, August 3rd, there was a report that the Steelers and Johnson are getting closer to a contract extension. Talks have continued. Um, But I really, I think the most likely situation, and maybe by the time this episode drops on Thursday, there's a contract out there and it doesn't mean anything. I don't know how it's going to play out. Really... For me, there's more questions than answers in that situation right now. I talked about how the Steelers don't pay guys, and it seems to me like the most likely scenario here is that Deontay Johnson wants a contract around the $25 million range, and the Steelers offer him something like 18 mil a year and say, take it or leave it, pal. This is the best we can do. And so I don't know what happens this year. I mean, he's not franchise tag eligible. He's still on his rookie deal. And it's weird to me because, you know, they're talking about it being in contract conversations, but I just don't think the Steelers are going to pony up the cash. They never do that, and they just invested two draft picks in receivers. Let's talk about those guys. George Pickens, I think, has a chance to be a really good receiver in the NFL. I just mentioned, you know, the process for Pittsburgh on how they're able to continually draft guys to replace established veterans. And so it's a thing where... There's certain teams when they draft a guy, I really pay attention more to how they draft. I mean, the Steelers, Ravens, Colts, uh, off the top of my head, like I'm always curious who they're drafting because they're three of the more consistent. Green Bay, pretty good at drafting too, aside from the uh, receiver position, apparently. Um, There are certain organizations that really like, you know, I can tell when they take a guy, it's like, oh, man, that was a fucking home run. I told you guys um, on our Eagles episode that the Ravens drafted a uh, Hall of Fame center in their first round, Tyler Linderbaum. I knew if Linderbaum would go to the right kind of organization, he would be a Hall of Famer. The Ravens were the perfect organization. So what I'm saying is you see the Steelers drafting receivers in the second and fourth round. and You say, oh, man, they must have seen something in this guy. Pickens, again, I think can be, uh, you know, a legit number one in the, in the NFL. He was a top 25 uh, prospect in his uh, high school recruitment class coming into college. Uh, went to University of Georgia, obviously one of the best programs in the country. Um, was very good his first couple of years there. Um, had some injury problems. Uh, tore his ACL uh, March 2021. Missed almost the entire regular season for Georgia this past season. 
uh, played the final regular season game and was healthy for the playoffs, but he's rehabbing that ACL. You know, there, there, that was kind of the question of, is this guy going to be fully ready? I don't think he'll have any issues. Reports are he's looking great in training camp, um, but he slipped into that second round due to injury concerns. I think he could be a legit guy. He's like six foot four. Uh, direct quote from Mike Tomlin. He's a big guy, 6'3 plus, with a, with a little body control, with a little guy body control. That's what he said. His ability to change direction, his ability to stop and start, and his ability to drop his weight is like that of a much smaller man. That's the trait that really attracted us to him. He's got easy hand-eye ball skills. So big body who moves um, you know, at a uh, lower center of gravity than... Um, guys that size. I mean, that sounds like a stud receiver to me, and it sounds like Mike Tomlin loves him. Calvin Austin as well, the fourth round pick. Um, he's a real speedster, uh, one of the fastest 40s at the combine this year. And um, little nugget about him, uh, in an interview with uh, Sauce Gardner, number four overall pick to the Jets, cornerback out of Cincinnati, Sauce said that Calvin Austin was the most difficult receiver he had to guard in college. So that's saying something. This guy slipped to the fourth round, but again, Steelers pretty good at finding gems in the draft at the receiver position. Antonio Brown, a fucking sixth round pick, if you can believe that. Um, so I have confidence that they're just constantly going to be able to retool that receiver room. Uh, and they also drafted defensive end DeMarvin Leal in the third round out of Texas A&M. And that's another position, I mean... Fucking receivers and pass rushers. This Steelers team knows how to draft linebackers, mainly outside linebackers to fit that 3-4 scheme. And, you know, DeMarvin Leal, if he turns into a guy on the opposite of TJ Watt, that could be pretty fucking mean. So that's the personnel breakdown. I really like the draft, but the whole, the investing in the offense young right now with Pickett, Pickens, and Austin... Like, I think the Pickens and the Austin picks are really more of, like, they're going to play more when, when Deontay and Claypool are gone. And Pickens right now third receiver on the depth chart. He could make an impact as a rookie. But Austin definitely more of a future investment. Pickett might not play that much his rookie year. So, again, I compare it to those, those Patriots uh, years and that specific year where they had to kind of, you know, take a step back and retool and say, maybe this isn't our year, but you know, we're, we're going to kind of get back on track next year. And I kind of have that sense for this Steelers team. Unfortunately, I hadn't really made my mind up until the past couple of days, which way I was going to go. The over under for this team is seven and a half wins. And it's really difficult for me to pick this Steelers team to not at least win eight games. Um, it's something that Mike Tomlin has never done in his career. Um, listen to some of these statistics on the exceptional consistency of this organization. Mike Tomlin, head coach last 15 years, um, never uh, finishing worse than 8-8. Eight and eight. Mike Tomlin has had three 8-8 eight eight seasons. That's it. Other than that, he's always winning. Um, the Steelers' last losing season was in 2003 when they went 6-10. and 10. Since the year 2000, they have one losing season in 2003. They have four seasons where they went 500 at 8-8. Eight and eight. Other than that, since 2000, they've had a winning record. Uh, what is that? 16 out of 21 years. They have three losing seasons total since 1992. 
So, you know, you guys may be down on the Steelers this year, and you might think that it's not that bold for me to take the under seven and a half wins with this team because the roster, I've mentioned a lot of question marks here. We don't need to rehash it, but a lot of question marks, and I will take, <clears throat> excuse me, I will take under seven and a half wins here. The odds um, three weeks ago were at even relatively um over under minus 110 both ways at seven and a half the odds today in early august have shifted where the under is minus 120 favored and the over is plus 100 and i i think it makes sense i'm starting to get a little bit more uh less optimistic about this team the schedule's not easy either 29th ranked strength of schedule this year and you guys um we won't even really need to break it down that much because you'll notice how hard this is Bengals, Patriots, Browns, Jets, Bills, Buccaneers, Dolphins, Eagles, Saints, Bengals, Colts, Falcons, Ravens, Panthers, Raiders, Ravens, Browns. So all, you know, all three teams in their division are good. I think it's safe to say, I, I mentioned that I'm, I'm looking at the Bengals to regress a bit, but they're still not a bad team. And the Bengals and Ravens both have very good rosters, especially if Watson's playing for Cleveland. So the division games are all going to be dogfights. Patriots probably better this year. Bills, Bucks, Colts all definitely better this year. Raiders probably better than the Steelers. And so you're just looking, Eagles will be better in my opinion. You're looking at games like the Jets, maybe Miami, but I think they're good this year too. Like the Panthers, Falcons, it's about it for like the easy wins. I'm not that optimistic here. I hate to say it, but under seven and a half looks like a decent play. Again, this is the Cam Newton year for Mike Tomlin. And then next year, hopefully uh, Kenny Pickett can be his Mac Jones, but I'm not sure it all comes together in Pickett's rookie year, unfortunately. Hopefully he surprises us. Uh, I, I just think... Mitch Trubisky being your starting quarterback is not good for a football team. So I can't take the over. Their odds to win the division are crazy. Plus 950. And I wanted to make the case that that's a value because this Steelers team, again, like I want to sit here and say they don't have losing seasons. It's not going to happen. I think I have to call for this year to be a bit of an outlier. Again, they're not going to win their division unless some really catastrophic shit happens in this AFC North. Um, Look at the quarterbacks. Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and Deshaun Watson. And then you have the combination of Trubisky and Pickett. It's just the odds are stacked against you here. Odds are one of those three potential Hall of Fame all-pro quarterbacks going to be able to win this division. Conference odds are plus 3,700, 37 to 1 to win the AFC, and they're the fourth lowest odds in the AFC, which is, again, super uncharacteristic for the Steelers team, but it looks like this year could be a little bit different, unfortunately. The odds to win the Super Bowl, 70 to 1, man how far we have fallen here in Pittsburgh. The odds to make the playoffs have shifted a bit. Uh, on July 10th, their odds to make the playoffs were plus 280. They are now plus 330. As it looks like the general betting market seems to be coming around to the same realization that I am. 
it's just too much of an uphill battle for Pittsburgh this year. It just is. It's unfortunate. I root for them more often than not. This has actually been a team that I have not been able to quit basically the last five years. I think I've had a Super Bowl ticket on this team three or four years in a row. I seem to always take their over on wins. I took them over eight and a half last year, and we've had to scratch and claw to get to that ninth win. It was really a fun sweat as far as a season win total. Um, I told you guys before, you know, I, I went seven out of eight on my win total plays last year. I feel good about them. Um, the Steelers team has been one that I have been riding because that defense was elite, um, but I can't do it this year. So let's wrap that up. Let's talk fantasy. I think our fantasy conversation is going to be pretty short. Hopefully I, I say that and then I'll, I'll spew 20 minutes of useless info at you, but you know, we're not, tr we're not touching either quarterback here. I fully expect Trubisky to be the week one starter. I cannot give you guys an idea on how long he lasts. I will say that the Steelers have a week nine bye, which is in between the Saints and Bay. No, it is in between the Eagles and Saints. Um, so maybe that's the transitional period if like the first eight weeks don't go well and this team's sitting below 500 and they're just coming off an ass whooping in Philadelphia. Sorry about it. Uh, maybe you get the, the bye week and then you get a home game against a non-conference opponent with the Saints. Maybe that's the transition. But, I mean, after that, Bengals, Colts, Falcons, Ravens, it doesn't matter. Um, maybe that's it. But it's all speculation here. Bottom line, we're not touching the quarterbacks for fantasy. There's only one running back to really discuss. It's Najee. We got Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and George Pickens at receiver. There's no consistency metrics on Pickens because he's a rookie. Pat Fryermuth is the tight end, and that's it, really, for fantasy-relevant guys. <clears throat> Honorable mentions, of course, Kenny Pickett if he wins the starting job over Trubisky. Uh, running back Benny Snell is the backup. Pretty solid backup, nothing special. Running back Anthony McFarland's third on the depth chart. I just wanted to bring him up because I did like his college tape. He's a smaller scat back, pretty quick. Could potentially see a receiving their down roll at some point, but I'm not exactly projecting it. This team seems to be a workhorse backfield. Wide receivers, honorable mention. Again, fourth-round rookie Calvin Austin. Uh, former uh, Baltimore Raven Miles Boykin, former Chicago Bear Anthony Miller, who I'm surprised has not worked out in the NFL. I liked his college tape out of Memphis, and he has just struggled to stick to rosters since uh, the Bears decided to move on from him. And wide receiver Gunner Alzluski. Um, Okay, so let's get into it. Quarterbacks, we're not touching them. Let's just not waste time. Trubisky's being drafted 34th QB in fantasy think he's the day one starter you're obviously not gonna draft pick it um and stash him and wait for him to play so let's just move on uh Trubisky wasn't a starter last year so there's no consistency rankings Najee Harris is a stud I think he's pretty safe I don't love his upside as much as I did last year he's being drafted seventh overall running back five last year being drafted 14th overall running back 10 not if you were in a league with me, because I was taking this guy as a top five running back. Um, I play in keeper leagues. Uh, a majority of my fantasy you know, play is uh, a league where usually the top three or four running backs are probably going to be kept. 
um, like guys like Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey, you often can't draft. And so I took Najee Harris number two overall last year ahead of uh, some pretty big names. I mean, I was taking him ahead of um, Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, um, some of those, you know, top, you know, second tier running backs. I took him ahead of Jonathan Taylor. That did not work out. But anyways, I was big on Najee last year because of the workload, the efficiency. The Steelers use a workhorse running back. This guy can catch passes. The Steelers invested a first-round pick in him, which they don't usually do at the running back position. I just saw a Le'Veon Bell 2.0 kind of come in here in Najee. Efficiency-wise, he didn't really explode like that, although he had a much better rookie year than, than Le'Veon Bell did, if we can go back that far. So he's already doing more than Bell did at this point in his career. He finished the running back three last year in PPR leagues. He got like 74 receptions last year, which was awesome. He had one game where he had 15 catches at the running back position. So that's a cheat code league winner right there. Um, again, being drafted in like the second round is RB10 last year and finished RB3. Finished RB8 in points per game because he played a full 17 and some guys like Derrick Henry dominated and then missed eight games. And the Steelers have the 14th easiest running back schedule for fantasy this year. Najee's consistency, again, one of the top in the league. Uh, top 12 finish, 58.8% of his games, fifth best. Top 24 rank, 76.5% of his games, fourth best. Uh, RB3 finish, 5.9%, bust out of the top 36, 23%. So, again, 76% of the time he's a top 24 running back and over half, almost 6 out of 10, he's top 12. He's very consistent. Uh, again, I don't think he has the pass-catching volume this year. And, it's, okay, so it's tough because he didn't really cash in on touchdowns last year. Um, it was more yardage and volume. And I think the volume will still be there. He had seven touchdowns last year. But, oh, he had uh, three in the receiving game also. So he had ten touchdowns last year, which is pretty good. We'll probably expect around the same for him this year, I would say. And I think the pass-catching volume does go down. So, I, I don't know. I think the offensive line still stinks. I think a big reason that I'm not as optimistic for pass-catching is because, um, believe it or not, Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett are both much more mobile than the guy they had playing QB last year. Big Ben wasn't moving. He wasn't extending plays. He could barely take the shotgun snaps last year. And so I think that's, you know, a reason why Najee was getting a lot of quick checkdowns. That might not happen this year because if these quarterbacks can run at all, it could be time to extend plays, not just check it down to Najee. That's what I'm saying. So I think he's very safe. Um, I'm not sure I'm taking him in that top five picks this year, though. There's probably, I mean, I'd rather have a Cooper Cup or a Justin Jefferson ahead of Najee. I'll probably tell st still take Najee over Jamar Chase. Um, but there's quite a few, you know, maybe four, five, six running backs I'd take over him and, a, and probably two receivers. So that, uh, that number seven overall ADP, it's about the right ballpark, but I might be a little bit lower on that. I might like to take my shot on a couple guys. I think I'd take Mixon over Najee this year. Um, we just did the Bengals yesterday, I, and I think I feel safer about that. Let's talk receivers. 
Um, Deontay Johnson, I mentioned the contract situation. It's interesting. I don't really know what's happening there. If he's going to play the full season, it's kind of hard to predict. He was a stud last year. But again, a lot of it on PPR, and I don't know if we get all those short passes. I mean, Ben would sometimes sit back and throw it 40 times a game for 200 yards, and these guys were just getting peppered from a PPR standpoint. Uh, he's being drafted 40th overall wide receiver 15 this year after going 60th overall wide receiver 22 last year. He finished wide receiver 8. So again, just PPR monster. This guy was killing it. Very good receiver. I'm worried about the target share and maybe the you know lower volume of passing targets this year. This team should, uh, I would hope, you know, ideally throw as as little as possible with Mitch Trubisky back there, where Ben was doing a lot of like shotgun. I'm gonna get out of my hands super quick last year, so I'm worried about the passing volume here. Again, finishing 8th last year at receiver position, 16 games played, 10th in points per game. It, it is notable, the receivers and the tight ends in this offense have the third easiest fantasy schedule. So I guess some weak secondaries on their schedule. That's interesting. It's, uh, it's tough for me to endorse taking him in the like fourth round of your fantasy drafts when, again, I think he needs a high amount of volume to really cash in on that return. Uh, finished a top 12 wide receiver only 18.8% of the time last year, despite finishing wide receiver eight on the season. That was 30th most uh, consistent top 12 finishes based on game percentage. Uh, he finished a wide receiver two more often than not. He was a 37.5% wide receiver two, which was fourth best. That's how he got to that wide receiver eight finish, just constantly coming in like wide receiver 12 to 15 on the week. Uh, which is pretty good, but again, not that elite upside that you would think um, or that you would want, really. It's just, again, manufactured on PPR opportunities. Uh, top 24 finished 56.3% of the time, 10th best top 24 consistency rank. But again, so much of that built on a, uh, a finish outside of the top 12. Uh, finished wide receiver three on the week, uh, 37.5% of the time. Busted out of the top 36, 12.5% of the time. Chase Claypool was a bust monster last year. And if you want to take a shot on him this year, cause he's basically free in your drafts, it's maybe not a bad idea. Um, I think Mitch Trubisky actually had a decent amount of success with Allen Robinson on contested balls. Um, and that's kind of more Claypool's skill set over Deontay Johnson's. Um, we'll get George Pickens out of the way here, although I love him long term and think that he's a really good uh, player. Um, we don't usually see rookies uh, just come in and dominate target share right away in the Steelers offense. I think if Deontay Johnson's on the field, he's obviously the number one target guy and then Claypool is going to be your field stretcher you're going to take some shots down the sideline maybe some higher touchdown upside but Pickens uh, I don't know he's basically being undrafted in fantasy and I think it's probably fair you just want to watch you know week one week two if you see him getting looks go ahead and grab him because he's definitely he could jump you know Claypool probably on the depth chart this year you know if things go his way um, but Claypool, again, 105 in fantasy drafts, wide receiver 44, um, being drafted wide receiver 24 last year, finished wide receiver 37, only two touchdowns last year compared to 10 his rookie year. And I think that's the thing where, you know, the odds of him only having two last year 
not great. His really his receptions and his yardage almost identical to his rookie year, just around that eight fifty nine hundred reception or receiving yards mark. But you score eight more touchdowns one year than the previous year, and people are going to think something's wrong with you because you're not producing the same for their fantasy teams. I think that's a big part of the uh, the lack of confidence in Claypool. But if he continues to be like a nine hundred receiving yard, like sixty reception guy, and gets back to maybe like you know five or six touchdowns instead of two, you're going to be a little bit happier. Um, Finished wide receiver 37 in points per game last year, 15 games. Excuse me, 43 in points per game, 37 overall. Um, Consistency-wise, only a top 12 receiver once. Only hit the top 24 in 20% of his games. That was 60th best. Uh, Finished a wide receiver 25 through 36, 20%. And then busted outside of the top 36 receivers on the week at 60% of his games. So, again... Um, he was already kind of a boomer bust touchdown dependent guy and he just didn't get the touchdowns last year. So it makes sense. Um, it's kind of, it's tough, you know, again, he doesn't cost much. I don't know if he's my favorite guy to draft and bank on for fantasy, but I think he's, he is being maybe slightly misvalued because of the touchdown regression. It's the best I can do really with Claypool. Uh, Pickens again, no consistency metrics, very talented guy. I'm I'm not drafting him. I'm taking I'm taking a close look at weeks one and two to see what the snap counts and what the target share looks like. And then Fryermuth, unfortunately, I can't advise drafting in fantasy either. He's a tight end. He's a second year tight end who had a very good rookie campaign. How many touchdowns did Fryermuth score last year? Let's check it out. Let's check it out. Where are we at with touchdowns? Pat Fryermuth. Seven receiving touchdowns last year as a rookie tight end, second on the team in receiving touchdowns, just behind Deontay Johnson. This guy is already, as a rookie, you know, one of the better red zone targets and jump ball threats in the NFL, I would say. He's really, it's fun to watch him just absolutely rip the ball out of a safety or a corner's hands and just absolutely dominate him man to man. Like I'm I'm a bigger, stronger, tougher man than you are and I'm going to beat you for this ball and there's nothing you can do about it. Firemute's awesome. He's super talented. Um, in any other draft year, because we got to remember uh, Kyle Pitts was the talk of the town in the uh, in the 2021 draft. Um, as you know, probably on paper, the most athletically gifted tight end college prospect we've ever seen. He was the highest drafted tight end in NFL history, going number four overall. Pat Fryermuth, second round pick, but in any other draft, this guy's being talked about as like a stud, stud tight end prospect. So he got, you know, not that much hype because of being overshadowed by Kyle Pitts. But this guy's legit, and I think he's going to have a great career in Pittsburgh. He's a fan favorite. That said, I don't know if he cashes in on seven touchdowns this year with with the the vagueness at quarterback there. Um, And outside of, you know, in between the 20s, he wasn't really a yardage guy. It was kind of touchdown or bust. Uh, Being drafted tight end 13 last year, tight end 19. Excuse me, tight end 13 this year, tight end 19 last year. Um, His ADP this year, 11th or 12th round. Um, 117th overall. Uh, last year finished the tight end 13, played 16 games, tight end 17 in points per game. So again, you know, not that consistent. And if he doesn't get the TDs, I'm not in love with it for fantasy, but he's a great real life player. 
Uh, finished top six on the week 12.5% of the time. 20th ranked for fantasy tight ends. Top 12 finished 37.5% of the time, 17th ranked. And busted outside of the top 24, 25% of the time. Finished a tight end to 13 through 24, 37% of the time. Just not in love with that. Only getting into the top 12, 37%. Again, almost all um, touchdown value. That's, that's all it is. And if the Steelers offense stinks, then that's not good for your tight end. That's about it. You know, I don't want to be too pessimistic. I'll be rooting for this team to exceed my expectations, but I can't. With the difficult schedule and the quarterback situation, again, this is the Cam Newton year for the Pittsburgh Steelers, as much as it kills me to say it. That's going to do it here for SGR 79. We're coming back at you with the Cleveland Browns tomorrow. We get to talk to Sean Watson. Yay. Uh, we'll see how many people I piss off with that episode. But until then, thank you for listening and ramble on.